Tannehill, play fake, throw, right flat, swaim, all alone, touchdown, Titans! Tannehill gives Henry at left guard into the end zone, touchdown, Titans! The king, Derek Henry to Peter. Tannehill sneaking, scoring, touchdown, Titans! They get it off, Carr throws short, batted away. It was hit by Cole, and then Byer knocked it down. Ed Graney is flying back from Tennessee. Adam Candy is in today. Uh, Jared, I do enjoy that at one point you were worried you didn't have any fun TikTok sounds, and you thought you were going to need them at some point. What if the Raiders <laughs> go 0-17? You can just play the same one every time. That is fair. You never need a fun one. Adam Candy, Legal Sports Report, is in today. We've got a 3 and one football team in Las Vegas, but it is not the NFL version. We'll get to UNLV a little bit later. The Golden Knights played a preseason game, but we're starting with the 0-3 Las Vegas Raiders. The First Bite. Is Josh McDaniels already on the hot seat? The Raiders are 0-3. And according to Paul Gutierrez, Mark Davis had a lengthy meeting with Josh McDaniels after the game prior to Josh McDaniels going to the post-game press conference. Uh, Adam, should we make anything of that post-game meeting between Mark Davis and Josh McDaniels? Can I? Can I please? Yeah. Well, am I allowed I to? So. Yeah, I hope so. That's what I'm hoping for. Because my birthday was like 10 days ago, and <laughs> this is the greatest late present I've ever gotten. Thank you, boys. Uh, we have to make something of it because Mark Davis has not shown any inclination over the time he's been the primary owner of the Raiders to be the guy who pulls the head coach aside to have a big, serious conversation, right? Like, we know that he talked to uh Bridge last year about the field goals, et cetera, et cetera. But he's also the same coach, uh, same guy who defended John Gruden as coach all the way past when it was obvious he needed no defending anymore. It's an interesting situation because you have a head coach who's in his first year with the Raiders and is off to an 0-3 start. Normally, you wouldn't look at a coach who starts 0-3 with his first year, first year at a new team and think that guy should be on the hot seat. But there are a couple of factors that go into where Josh McDaniels currently finds himself and the security that he might may or may not have. The first one is this isn't the first time he's ever been a head coach before. And Willie Ramirez tweeted out this fun stat. He started 6-0 and as a head coach, and since then, he has now lost 20 of his last 25 games. Now, the majority of those were a decade ago in Denver. I don't know how much people actually care. I don't know how much Mark Davis actually cares. Because if he did care, he probably doesn't hire uh, Josh McDaniels in the first place. But we do have some evidence, at least from a decade ago, that Josh McDaniels as a head coach doesn't work. Now he's 0-3. But the other factor, and this is the one that probably does matter to Mark Davis, he went all in this year. I mean, he took over a team that went to the playoffs last year went and got Devontae Adams, went and got Chandler Jones, made sure to give uh, new contracts, paydays to Derek Carr, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and Max Crosby. This team is supposed to be 
contending, at least from the Raiders' point of view, right? Externally, they were still had the worst odds to to do anything in the AFC West. There was still uh, minus money on the no that they would make the playoffs before this season started. So there were still externally not high expectations for the Raiders, but they were still supposed to be a contender for a playoff spot this year. And potentially, if things went right, a contender in the AFC West because they went all in following a 10-win season. And here they are at 0-3. And the thing that the team did best last year, win close games, is the exact opposite that's happening this year. Every single game they've lost has been a one-possession game, and they've lost them all. And I think if you're Mark Davis, you're looking around saying, okay, I didn't give Rich Bisaccia another chance, and I went out and got the New England Patriots. I went and got a GM and a head coach from the New England Patriots, and now we're 0-3. And you look around and say, that's not good enough. But the question is, for me, how real is a hot seat? I don't know how hot the seat is three games into the season, but it certainly feels a lot hotter than I would have expected four weeks ago, If even if you had told me the Raiders were 0-3. Look, we could do this one of two ways. We can try to make something of it now, or we can go and look backward a little bit and say that if you're Mark Davis and you do feel the need to have this meeting with Josh McDaniels because you are unhappy with him, then there's a problem with the hire in the first place. If you feel the need to go talk to the head coach that you've had for three games right after the game in that way, then I have a little question for you about who you hired in the first place because you haven't gotten anything too different from what you should have expected. Uh, Tyler, I love when we do online like the how it started and how, how it's going meme. So let's do... with. <laughs> Let's do how it started. Let me read to you from this Raiders press release. In talking their reunion into existence, Fresno State friends and teammates Derek Carr and Devontae Adams didn't just make sure a mutual dream came true. They changed the trajectory of the Raiders franchise. (laughs) Put a pin in that because you might be exactly right. Uh, By welcoming (laughs) the incomparable Adams to the already formidable pass-catching duo of Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, along with reeling in pass-rush extraordinaire Chandler Jones to to the team with Pro Bowl edge rusher Max Crosby, the Raiders are finally a team that can look opponents in the eye confident that they can compete on a talent-for-talent basis. I'm sorry, that was from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. My apologies. I thought it was a Raiders press release at first, uh, but that was actually from Vinny Bonsignor uh, before the season. That's how it started. How it's going is that they're the only 0-3 team in the NFL is that since the playoffs expanded to the seventh wildcard team, no 0-2 team has ever made the playoffs, let alone an 0-3 team. But if you want to take it to an 0-3 team back to 1990, roughly 2% of 0-3 teams have made the playoffs since 1990 so yep the trajectory appears changed because now you have Devonte adams you gave up a bunch of draft picks and a big contract to get him you have next year the second most dead cap money in the nfl before you ever get started and you are pretty much dead in the water this year so you know what i know it's three games in we're saying that mark davis shouldn't overreact to josh mcdaniels but i'm gonna overreact to every raiders fan who came for me when i said it wasn't a good trade <laughs> It wasn't a good trade. So on McDaniel's hot seat, at what point in the season do you think it's real that he could get fired in season or or maybe just at the end of the year? Like if this team starts 0-6, like do you think it's possible McDaniels gets fired in season? Or if we take the season-long view, 
is a 5 and 12 season. Is that something that you think is an actual fireable after one season type of year for Josh McDaniels? I'm going to ask Jared this question because I can't ask you this question because you don't know anything when it comes to pop culture. Um, Jared, do you remember the Chappelle Show skit with Clayton Bigsby? Yes. Okay. Uh, I just the... started scratching my neck. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, if out there, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, uh, Dave Chappelle did a skit in which there was a blind black man who was a racist toward black people. So if Mark Davis saw John Gruden go full Clayton Bigsby and didn't fire him in season until he was absolutely forced to, he's not firing Josh McDaniels in season, right? Like, he will wait till the very, very end of the year if he's going to do this. Now, I still don't think he's going to fire him. I also don't think the Raiders are going to finish, like, 3-14. and 14. I don't think they're that bad. But as for the expectations that this team had, they are going to come nowhere close to them. Uh, three and 14. I don't expect that to happen either. Uh, I, I honestly, even at this point, I think five and 12 would be below what I'd expect them to finish because I think the, the one area that I find intriguing about the Raiders is that they've lost three, one score games. And it's a team that last year was seven and two in one possession games, right? They won. What was it? Six plays on the final play of the game. Like it was a team that had a, a tremendous luck to an extent when it came to close games. And this year, all of that has gone the other way. And I do like, listen, at some point, if the Raiders play a one possession game, balancing out, right. If they play a one possession game every week, the rest of the season, they're going to win some of these games. They're not going to continue to lose every single game. That's within a touchdown in the fourth quarter. It's just even last year's team that was fortunate. They still lost to one possession games and they're probably going to beat somebody by 14 or 20 at some point along the line. But it does get to a point where when you're looking at expectations, we're already at that point, I should say, it's it's already gone away, right? You, you're going to have to go from 0-3 to somehow winning 10 games to make the postseason, right? At least getting to 9 to have any sort of shot. And anything less than that is not good enough. And... I would not have any expectations that Josh McDaniels would do this, that Mark Davis would uh, okay this or want this. But the Raiders right now, if if they're first, go to NFLTankathon.com, the Raiders are first, right? They've got the number one pick in the draft. I do wonder if you're the Raiders, how seriously you should consider, yeah, let's we should kind of pack it in this year. This should be a year where we try to get a top 10 draft pick because that's the best way we're going to make next year's team any good. I mean, if you want to take a long-term view of the franchise, sure, but it's not going to happen. And I, I don't know how far out of the realm possibility 5-12 and 12 is, Tyler, because if you look at where they are right now, they're 0-3, that would be 5-9 and 9 the rest of the way. If I go down the rest of the Raiders' schedule, I find three games where I can guarantee they'll be favored, right? Home Houston on October 23rd. Then I see at Seattle on Thanksgiving weekend. And then I see home New England on December 18th. And even that's a little bit of a stretch because we don't know what New England will look like at that point. Now, they've got games at New Orleans, at Pittsburgh, other ones where I think they'll be fairly close. But did you think at Jacksonville was going to be a game where they were probably at least field goal underdog before the season started? We did think that, yeah. You know, like, (laughs) here, here we are. Here we are. I, I don't see where the Raiders are going to be favored a whole lot the rest of the way here. And 
They have a Denver team that is going to start to finally feel a little bit of confidence after that disaster of a game last night, but they're playing very well defensively. <laughs> and then they're going to go to Kansas City, and they're probably going to go into the bye at the very best 1-4 and four, and probably 0-5. Oh All right, coming up next, we'll stick with the NFL because the Raiders are not the only AFC West team that has not been very good so far this season. Waiting on the snap, takes it, looking left. He's going to fire up field, broken up, tip, and intercepted by the Colts, intercepted by the Colts, it's Rodney McLeod, Colts have it, interception, two seconds left, and the Colts are going to win. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter, at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler, featuring Adam Candy. Ed Graney on his way back from Tennessee. Adam Candy from Legal Sports Report is in today. The Raiders were not the only AFC West team to lose yesterday. Not the only AFC West team to have a bad loss yesterday. Uh, but we're actually going to start with the team that had a bad win. The Broncos beat the 49ers 11-10 to on Sunday Night Football. Uh, oh, Jared, first off, that's not a scoregami. I know. That is extremely disappointing. Would you like me to look up the first time 11 to 10? It was Charger Steelers. I saw like plenty of people tweeting about it, that that had happened as an 11 to 10 final, which is incredible. There was another one. Uh, the Broncos, though, are now two and one, despite not having scored 20 points in a single game this season. They also haven't allowed 20 points in a single game this season. Uh, starting with the Broncos in this division, Adam, what am I supposed to do with this team? Like they they're coming here to play the Raiders, and I think they're bad, but they're two and one. Oh, they're bad on <laughs> offense. On defense, they're actually pretty damn good. Um, this team has not scored twenty points in a game, and they have not allowed twenty points in a game thus far. Now, the first two weeks, you would just say, "Okay, well, they played Seattle and they played Houston, right?" right, right. Like. This San Francisco offense was supposed to be decent, at least running the football, and they were not able to do anything. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo looked awful, and I think a lot of that had to do with the talent on this Broncos defense. So, no, they're not any good. Nathaniel Hackett continues to be an absolute disaster as a head coach. Like That's what Mark <laughs> Davis is getting cover from right now, is the fact that it's so clear that Nathaniel Hackett is the worst offseason hiring. But now we're going to get to watch him on the same field this week, so it should be fun. How How is Hackett so bad? That That's the part. Like, I don't understand how he's so bad. Like, I get there can be bad NFL coaches, but how can Hackett be this bad to a point where literally everybody watching Broncos games can be like, yeah, the coach is bad. Like, we know Nathaniel Hackett's bad, and I don't quite understand how somebody could even get a job in the first place and be this incompetent in his first three games. The Broncos had one drive yesterday, Tyler. <laughs> One drive, and it just happened to be at the right time. And after Jimmy Garoppolo embarrassed his Nona by stepping out of the back of the end zone and Orlovskiing. So now you have Denver 2-1 and one because Russell Wilson managed to put together one drive. And that's why Nathaniel Hackett is somehow still in a job right now. I don't know. I'm not going to fire him, but they certainly should be on a much hotter seat than they are. You saw that, they, that he brought in a game management coach to help him. Cool. Nathaniel Hackett brought in this past week someone to help him manage the game situations that he had been so badly botching. 
Good on you for admitting a mistake. But how about the Broncos franchise? A $4 billion NFL franchise <laughs> with its pick of coaches. <laughs> Choosing a guy who, after two weeks, needed someone to come in and do the one thing you're supposed to be able to do as an NFL coach, <laughs> which is manage game situations. This weekend's going to be a great game, isn't it? Oh, did you think that the Niners-Broncos game was bad on Sunday night? <laughs> Just wait till 1 o'clock Sunday. Uh, by the way, what was the better safety of, of the weekend? Jimmy Garoppolo running out of the back of the end zone or uh, Miami punter Thomas Morstead punting it into the butt of his teammate Trent Sherfield? All right. It's the butt punt just for fun. Now, let me ask you a question. Who do you place the blame on? On the butt punt. Do you think that goes on the punter for not realizing there was an ass immediately in front of him? <laughs> or do you think it goes to Trent Sherfield for going with the uh, Jadakiss thing of backing that ass up? I think it's it's like 80% Sherfield because he's not actually blocking. It's not like he got blocked back into it and there just wasn't enough space because they were punting from their own end zone. He's just kind of backing up protecting nobody like there's nobody that he touched on the other team there now we have seen videos of punters realize that they're going to get the punt blocked and they're able to step aside from a guy actually blocking the punt and still get it away so I think there's still about 20% blame that the punter should have realized oh my teammate's going to block this with his ass but 80-20 on Trent Sherfield for not even realizing he was too close to the punter and by the way it's 724 in the morning my apologies to juvenile uh, I said Jadakiss, that, that is juvenile on, on back that ass up. My, my apologies to everyone out there who was ju- about to write an angry letter to the station. Did you furiously yeah, Google that while I, I was talking? Our, our listener base is definitely going, it's juvenile! It happens. That's what's happening. No, they're, they're calling us juveniles, what they're yeah. doing. Uh, they, um, uh, no, I did not need to Google it furiously because as soon as it came out of my mouth, ah. something was like, huh, I don't think that's right. All right, uh, Broncos are two and one. The Chargers, though, are one and two. They're only one coming against the Raiders. They were blown out by Jacksonville, thirty-eight to ten. Justin Herbert played despite his rib injury from Week Two, and by the way, the Chargers kept him in the entire game, down by four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. They kept Justin Herbert in the game. They also lost their left tackle, Rashawn, uh, Rashawn Slater, in that game, and Joey Bosa. So. You know, two of their best players besides the quarterback who's playing with broken rib cartilage. Is there is their season doomed? Like they're if Herbert's not gonna be great, I can't imagine the Chargers are going to the postseason. Honestly, if I'm Brandon Staley right now, I'm probably looking at the rest of this division and thinking to myself, what if we sat Justin Herbert down for a couple of weeks? Because right now, what we saw yesterday isn't gonna cut it. And yet I also don't think the Chargers are completely done if they play with Chase Daniel for a week or two. Right now, if you see what the Chargers were yesterday, there's no way you want to watch this team for the rest of the year, right? Like, There's no way that you think this team's going anywhere. And the Rashawn Slater thing is really interesting because we don't talk a lot about left tackles here, but Rashawn Slater to Storm Norton is about the biggest downgrade you could make because if you don't remember who Storm Norton is, he is the turnstile that Max Crosby abused over and over and over again in week 18 when the Raiders made the playoffs last year, which I want to remind everybody, the Raiders made the playoffs last year. Oh, no, no, no. Josh McDaniels took over a downtrodden franchise with no level of success. 
You know, Josh McDaniels didn't even have the benefit of doing what Gruden did, which was coming into a roster that had been to the playoffs a year earlier and then getting to tear it down and pretend like, I took over nothing here. Adam, I have just found Dave Koken doing back that ass up. Would you like to hear that? Yes. I'm the blank, 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 the headed girl. Girl, you looks good. Won't you back that butt up? You're a fine, fine young lady. And I'm sure you'll go to church every weekend. Won't you back that butt up? Call me Big Daddy when you back that butt up. Ho, who is you playing with? Back that butt up, girl. You looks good. Won't you back that butt up? You're a fine young pillar of society. Won't you back that butt up? Call me Big Daddy when you back that butt up. Ho, who is you playing with back that <laughs> How do I end my week on Monday morning because it won't get any better? <laughs> Who was doing the show with Koken that wasn't losing it that while would he be was doing it? JVT, JVT invented a lot of things that uh, he doesn't get credit for. I'm going to assume he shut all the other mics off, and that's why we couldn't hear anybody laughing in the background because that is phenomenal sound. Maybe everybody was just respectful enough to let Dave Koken have that great performance. I'm glad that's still in our database. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of abuse, <laughs> which is what that ultimately is, both to the song and to the ears of so many, uh, here's a good stat for you from uh, Josh Dubow, dug into the PFF grades, which just came out. Uh, let me ask you a question, Tyler. If you targeted Jonathan Abram five times in coverage, how many times do you think that Jonathan Abram would allow a catch? Oh, that's right. It's all five for 81 yards and two missed tackles. And by the way, the one when the Titans were all the way backed up in the fourth quarter where he, according to Jonathan Vilma, quote, took a bad angle. He took such a bad angle, I didn't know he had the coverage because he wasn't on the screen. Wait, was that the one wherever he literally didn't move? And like until the pass went, I don't know, Jared, because I couldn't <laughs> okay. see him. I literally <laughs> couldn't see him. Don't worry. Uh, he played really well uh, in his first three seasons in the NFL. So Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler were right in anointing him the starter in the defense before ever having him play underneath them. He's good. He's going to be fine. He'll turn it around. He'll be just like he was in the pr previous couple of seasons. Coming up next, Q joins the show to break down some more of the Raiders 0-3 start. And the Raiders are going for two here. Have to. Down 24-22. Yep, right. They trailed by 14 at the half. Defense didn't give up a point. Two-point conversion to tie with 1.14 to go. Both teams out of timeouts. Car out of the gun. Back to pass. Lofts it down the middle. Deflected twice and incomplete. He tried to loft one to Darren Waller, but Kevin Byard got his hands on it. And now the Raiders will have to try an onside kick. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff featuring Adam Candy. Joining us now, you can hear him over on Raider Nation Radio every single day. It's Q Myers. Good morning, Q. And an important question to start. After an 0-3 start to the season, how hot should Josh McDaniel's seat be? That's a great question, and, and good morning. Glad it's good to be with you guys. And I'll say this: you know, the reports of uh, Mark Davis and Josh McDaniels having a closed-door meeting before he actually went to his media session tells you a lot. You know, it kind of tells you that the frustration of the owner is already kicking in, and 
You know, I don't really hear too many closed door meetings after three weeks, but you know, I, I don't think that there's any chance that he's going to get let go anytime soon, but something's got to change quick, fast, and in a hurry. And if you have Denver coming to town, that's probably your best opportunity because going to Kansas City on a Monday night doesn't look too promising if you've seen what the Raiders look like this first three weeks of the season. So, straightforward question, Q. Why are the Raiders 0-3 right now? Man, hey, you know what? That's the million-dollar question. And I'll tell you right now, I'm dumbfounded. I know that there's people that – that uh, thought that the team was not going to be very good this year or they were going to struggle out of the gates. I didn't think they were going to struggle like this. I mean, they literally have not put together one four-quarter game yet. They played 12 quarters of football, but nothing has been consistent. And I don't, I don't understand where the disconnect is. And we could blame it on preseason. We could say that, oh, well, they didn't do this, they didn't do that. But, man, just putting together a four-quarter game is all they really need to do. I mean, they shut out the Cardinals in the first half of last week's game. And then they shut out the Titans in the second half of yesterday's game. It's just I, I don't understand what the what the problem is. So somewhere there's a disconnect between the players, coaches, the execution has been uh, pretty bad. I mean, it's just there's not a whole lot of positive right now. I mean, Devontae Adams has three touchdowns. That's great, but you know you didn't go and give up a first and second round pick and give him all that money to make Mac Collins your best wide receiver on the team. You know, and, and that's not a disrespect to Mac Collins. It's just the reality. So. There's a lot of issues going on with this team right now that they've got to figure out. Like I said, they got the bye week coming up after week five, but if they head into the bye week 0-5, you know, going back to Tyler's original question, there's, there's, there's going to be some changes in my opinion. So those changes, would that be like coordinator level five weeks into the season? Because to me it's, you know, 0-3 for a team that was expected to be competing for a playoff spot. It's, it's bad, but I just have a hard right. time believing there'd actually be a firing this quickly, but like 0-5, do you think that would be a coordinator potentially being gone then? Yeah, I think it would be some somebody would be scapegoated, right? I mean, that's just kind of the reality of it. Somebody would be pointed the finger at and say, okay, you're the problem. You've got to go, whether that be defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. It's not going to be head coach Josh McDaniels. I, I just I can't see that uh, anytime soon. But, again, I feel like the frustrations are really kicking in and, Remember, Mark Davis just hoisted a, a WNBA trophy, right, championship. He was just down at that parade. He was soaking all that in, and now his football team hasn't won a game. So, I mean, I just I feel like this, the expectations are so high. Uh, they were a team that people were talking about, including myself, that, you know, hey, this should be a 10-win team, a team that competes for the playoffs, even though the division is going to be a tough one. And, I mean, to not win a game yet when you've had multiple games that are very winnable. Actually, all three of the games are winnable now. You know, obviously they're losable too because they've lost all three. But I mean, the, the teams that they played haven't been that stinking good. So we talk about the overall Raiders situation being open zero and three, and Josh McDaniels, you know, potentially having some questions to answer. But let me ask you, Q, directly about McDaniels because we've talked a lot in the division, in particular, about how bad mm-hmm. Nathaniel Hackett has been as Broncos head coach, and yet they're two and one. Uh, right. And when we look at McDaniels, what's your evaluation of how he has done making decisions, calling games, et cetera, so far? Well, I actually thought his play calling has been pretty underwhelming right now. You know, to be 100% honest about the situation, I, I thought that he was going to be one of the reasons why the team was going to thrive this year is because his elite play calling ability. And, I mean, through three games, I haven't seen the rhyme or reason. I haven't seen what play is setting up the next play. And, okay, this is – okay, now this offense is in a rhythm. Like, that's one of my biggest questions. And I honestly thought that that was going to be the difference maker in why the Raiders were going to be good as as opposed to a team like the Broncos. I thought that Nathaniel Hackett hasn't had that experience, that been there, done that as far as calling plays in a very long time. So he was going to struggle out of the gates. And, 
he has, but they still have found ways to win games. Even an ugly victory on Sunday night football with the 49ers, 11 to 10. I mean, that's that's an ugly win, but it's a win, right? You'll take an ugly win over being 0 3. So they're finding ways to win while they're trying to figure things out. I thought the Raiders could do that too. Okay, things aren't going to be perfect. The offensive line's not going to be perfect. You're figuring out a new system. It's going to be slow out of the gates, but you can still win some games while you're at it. And they haven't done that. So I've been very. Uh, disappointed to say the least about what the, the play callings look like because again I thought that was going to be a strength of the team. Uh, is that where you would place the blame for why Devontae Adams has his worst two game stretch since 2015 by receiving yards? Um, I think that it has to do a little bit with everything, right? I think it has to do with Derek Carr still trying to figure out the offense, and you know it's crazy because he's on the same page with Matt Collins, like him and Matt seem like they've been, you know, working working out for years and seem like they went to the same college and were best friends, you know, because he finds Mac Hollins all the time. And Devontae Adams, for some reason, even even against himself, you know, like he had a, a, a sideline pass that he steps out of bounds yesterday. That's elite wide receivers don't do that. And he said it after the game, like, that was on me, you know. And so I just – there's something that's going on. There's a disconnect. Garrett Waller and Devontae Adams in the, end up in the same place in the end zone. You know, that can't happen. I know that that play design was not set up to be like that, right? And Devontae Adams is out, out of bounds on that play, too. So it's just a disconnect. I don't think anyone in the, on the offense is really in sync with each other and in tune with each other, and that's a problem, right? And, and you know, I've said that I thought that this new team and new system and new coaching staff should have played a little bit in the preseason. But even then, even if you didn't play any in the preseason, you should still be on a better, on a, you know, on the same, same page closer, or at least closer to the same page than they are right now. And Q, we're talking so much about the offense, and I think if you had talked to most Raiders fans before the season, that would be the side of the ball they were less worried about than yep. the defensive side of the ball. And yet, you know, we haven't talked a lot about the defense. What do you think the Raiders have done defensively so far? Not, not a whole lot as far as put together a whole game. You know, I mean, they shut out the Cardinals in in the first half of the game last week, and then they shut out the Titans in the second half of the game yesterday. But they haven't put together a full game. The only guy that I really see out there thriving is Max Crosby, right? I mean, and he only has two sacks, but you see him. You see where 98 is every single play. You see him out there busting his tail. I don't know where number 55 is at. I mean, I really don't. You know, the Titans had a beat-up offensive line, and I thought, okay, maybe this is a game that Chandler Jones could break out. But right now it looks like that, you know, the, the, the used car that they bought in Chandler Jones was 11. That's what it looks like right now, right? And I, I don't mean to sound disrespectful, but – I mean, right now you gave the guy a whole bunch of money to perform, and he hasn't done anything yet. So uh, where's Chandler Jones at? You know, where's where's uh, a, a lot of the, the guys in the secondary? Nate Hobbs goes out with a concussion. That's probably going to be a, a, another week that he's going to miss. That's going to be a problem. He's been thriving. He's been playing really well, in my opinion. But, you know, Rocky Asim, he's he's been okay, <laughs> right? I mean, the linebackers, Denzel Perryman's been out for a couple weeks now, so that's looking like a little, little bit of struggle. Devon Diablo. Jonathan Abram had been playing really well on the back end until yesterday. Then looked like uh, the Titans targeted him early and often, and he didn't do very well. He had a bunch of missed tackles and just poor angles. It just there was a lot of things to not like about what the Raiders' defense has done. But then in the second half of yesterday's game, they pitched a shutout and give their give the team a chance to to win a game. So uh, it's it's like it's a tale of two halves every single week, and and I don't understand why. How many different starting offensive line units will they have in 17 games this year? Jeez, man, they've already had, what, seven? <laughs> seven through three? I mean, if we're just doing the math right there, that's above my pay grade. But, I mean, that's got to be that's gotta be a lot, man. I mean, they might end up with, you know, 10 or 15 different starting lineups for, for all I know. I mean, remember, they just traded for Justin Huron 
last week, and he didn't get to start, but I'm assuming he's going to start at some point. I mean, do you trade for a guy that you're very familiar with? If he's not going to start, I'm sure as soon as they get him up to speed, he'll be starting, so that'll be another one. And I don't know, man. I mean, the offensive line, and yesterday the offensive line wasn't the, the biggest <laughs> issue of the team, right? I mean, that's the thing about it. Like, it's, I mean, you brought up Alex Bars from the, the practice squad. You got uh, Illuminor at the right guard position. You put Thayer Mumford, a seventh-round pick out of Ohio State, at the right tackle position. And they actually weren't the biggest issue. There was more issues that went along with that team. So they've got a lot of soul searching they got to do right now, figure out what in the hell's going on. Broncos come in, as you mentioned already, this weekend. And Q, you know the mind of the Raiders fan better than I do. Do you think the Raiders fans this weekend, if they get one of those bad halves that they've gotten, do you think we're going to hear some displeasure from, from Raiders fans? Or do you think they're still uh, feeling a little more patient than that? Oh, brother, they're here. The displeasure's out there now. <laughs> they ain't got to wait till this weekend, man. The displeasure's out there now. Hell, I got people mad at me, right? I mean, like, like I'm calling the plays or I'm doing something. Hey, people, yeah, man. Yeah, Raider do Nation, better, Q. You're right. It's my fault. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. It, 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 they want heads, man. They want car bench. They want McDaniels fired. They want Ziggler gone. I mean, they want everything now, you know, it's. It's, it's just awful. You know, there's people tweeting out memes of Lamar Jackson as the Raiders' next quarterback. Bryce Young is in the Raiders' next quarterback. I mean, they're ready to move on now. It's through three weeks already. So I can only imagine if they lay an egg this Sunday what it's going to be like. All right, Q, what do you got coming up on Raider Nation Radio today? Well, I guess it's going to be a therapy session today. I'll be at the Oyo Hotel. And yeah. On. I, I invite anyone to come by and sit on my therapy couch and, and, and talk it out and woosaw with me. Uh, Mark McMillan's going to join mm. the show. Ed Graney from the Press Box, he's going to be joining the show when he gets back in town. And, uh, of course, a lot of Raider Nation uh, airing their displeasures uh, all, all yeah, all during oh. the show from 2 to 5 on Raider Nation Radio. Nice. Well, I can't wait. Can't you tell? <laughs> so, wait, I can't come by and, like, get therapy about the Chiefs loss? Yeah, man, come on by, man. It's <laughs> nice to have you. Come on by, man. <laughs> I, got, I got some water with a lemon for you. You know what I mean? I got you. <laughs> all right, Q, again, tune into him. Raider Nation Radio, 2 to 5 today. Q, we appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Uh, unnecessary roughness. From 2 to 5 over on Raider Nation Radio. And now... We've got tickets to give away. Oh. Two tickets to 7-0 Brew Oktoberfest, a four-day festival starting September 29th and running through October 2nd at the Orleans. You can get tickets at Oktoberfest.Vegas or win a pair from us right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number 7 at 702-364-1100. You'll win tickets to 7-0 Brew Oktoberfest at the Orleans. Along the left goal line, Confer scores. Moved it. Sharp angle along the left goal line. He was unchallenged. Goes over the shoulder of Yuri Patera, the goaltender for the Knights. It's another power play goal. It's the Press Box with Brady and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas featuring Adam Candy. All right, before we get into any Golden Knights here, um, Adam, this this tweet you sent me, is this real? The the Washington Commanders are looking for a new mascot, and it's either going to be a pig or a uh, German Shepherd? Is that what that is? Wait. It appears that's what they're going for, yes. And I don't think it'll be a pig so much as it'll be a hog. Yeah, as yeah, an homage yeah. to the old uh, 80s hogs in the offensive line. 
Yeah, it's a pick there. Uh, hold on. This is from PFT Commander. That's why I asked if it was real or not. But no. I, I searched on Twitter, and there are other people tweeting about. Oh, uh, okay. No. PF, see, here's the thing. The Washington commander sent out a survey choosing between either the hog or the dog, and then they give you an option to put an adjective to go along with the hog or the dog, and PFT added his special touch by saying it should be a, quote, massive hog. Yeah, as it should be. That should be the name of it. Okay, so the commanders are going to have a, a mascot, and it's probably going to be... About to unleash the hog. Yeah, and it's going to be a hog, and that'll, yeah, that'll be fun. Un- yes, yes, da- Daniel Snyder is well ahead of the game there. <laughs> Hey, he doesn't even he doesn't even uh, live in this country anymore. Yes, he's still on a yacht in the middle yeah, of the ocean. It's entirely that... possible. Good way to hide from the lawyers. Yeah, do you think he gets a Sunday ticket out on the yacht? You think Does so? Does he right? want to get Sunday ticket that's, out that's on the yacht? Then he'd have to watch yeah. Carson Wentz <laughs> get sacked nine times yesterday. That's an insane number. Uh, all right, the Golden Knights played a preseason game last night. They lost. They committed approximately forty six penalties. They played more time. Uh, shorthanded, and they did it five on five pretty much. But Will Carrier left the Golden Knights preseason game with an upper body injury, did not return. And we just had a Golden Knights season finish where they missed the postseason for the first time. And the Golden Knights blamed injuries to a large extent. They still fired their coach, but they went out of their way to talk about man games lost 500 plus man games lost last season. Then they come into this year. uh, The roster is older than it was last season. Like that's, you know, sort of an issue when you're talking about trying to stay healthy and all that. And right now, after one preseason game, we already know Robin Leonard out for the season. Nolan Patrick out for the season. Laurent Brossois out for an, undetermined amount of time. We haven't really gotten anything close to a real timeline there. And after one preseason game, William Carrier, one of the few guys that would actually be in the opening day lineup that played last night, is hurt. Adam, I'm asking you to make a little bit of a prediction, whether it's December, whether it's February, whether it's May when the season is over. Are the Golden Knights talking about man games lost as an excuse again? Well, of course they're going to talk about it. Because we're already dealing with the kind of injuries that are going to give them reason to discuss it, right? If the goaltending struggles, we're going to be talking about Robin Leonard once again. We might even be talking about Laurent Brassois. By the way, if, if with this roster you're talking about the loss of Laurent Brassois, then you probably have bigger issues. <laughs> so what we've done here is we've created essentially a Stars and Scrubs fantasy team, right? Where you go get all the high-dollar guys at the beginning of your draft and then, you know, you've got $8 left for eight spots, and you're filling it in with the Jonas Drombjörgs of the world. I'm curious to see, because the goaltending is going to be a main uh, talking point throughout the entire season. And Logan Thompson or Aiden Hill, whoever it is, can kind of clear that up. If they get good goaltending, this team should probably be pretty good this year. And maybe Logan Thompson is what he was for those 16 games last season. And he's going to be an above average to good goaltender in the NHL. And the Golden Knights have no issues there. And they're contending in the Pacific all season. But beyond the goaltending, uh, I'm fascinated with the, the forward group because this team signed Phil Castle. It looks like Phil Castle is going to be on the top line. Outside of their top six, William Carlson's really the only other top six capable forward that's on the uh, third line. 
This team suffers an injury to a winger. They have two injuries to a winger, which is almost certainly going to happen at some point, even if they're just short-term injuries. Like, we're talking about a pretty ugly top six. We're talking about an ugly top line or second line where guys like Nick Waugh are having to play up there. And I'm curious to see, as a front office, can you have one year where you sort of blame, ah, we missed the postseason because of all the injuries we had, and then bring back a roster that still has those same players that are that were injured last season, but a year older. And if this season goes poorly again, if they were if they miss the playoffs again, can they really, with a straight face, walk out there and blame the injuries? I know they can, but would Bill Foley sort of allow that to happen and just say, "Yep, injuries two years in a row. That's what got us." What choice did they have, though? Right, I'm not defending the injuries or the excuses about injuries, but when it comes to the contracts that they signed, you signed a bunch of older players to long-term deals. This is what comes with the territory, right? This is the chance you took. This is the chance that Bill Foley signed off on if we want to talk about Bill Foley. So the Golden Knights are stuck with this for better or for worse. Now, they traded away one of those uh, injured, expensive, older stars, if you can call the Max Pacioretty trade a trade as opposed to just a dump. <laughs> so, you know, uh, well done, Jared. So, uh, yeah, uh, injuries are going to be an excuse, but, you know, only if you're a hater like you, Tyler. Oh, man. I mean, right? it, injuries are an excuse if they miss the postseason, right? If, if oh, the team... oh, oh, Mark Stone is hearing every word you're saying oh, right now. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. No one believes in the plucky Golden Knights. Hey. They did not win a preseason game. They are zero and one in the preseason. Mark Stone, is he listening? I hope he's listening. Which I hope he, I hope he's listening. I love how we've taken the expansion narrative and put it in in year six. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Nobody believes in him. Uh, do you think we can get? Is what's we need a synonym for misfits that we can start calling this team? We got to come up with that. miss playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought I was the hater. Mark Stone was listening to, not you, Adam. Come on. Get it together over there. Raiders. Sounds as good as Raiders. It does. Just yell that. Raider hater the whole time.